podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Well, we've reached the tail end of an international break, and what better way to do it than actually resuscitating an infrequent podcast of the Enfield Index lineup, the U.S. Pod. I'm Justin Wells, your host, and joining me today is Kev Hegarty, a returning champion, uh, Scott Chandler, a voice that's not going to be too unfamiliar to some of you guys on this pod, and we're handing a debut to uh, to uh, you know another person from New Jersey. Mr. Lubo Murkov. So I'm going to just uh, start the evening off by saying hello to all you gentlemen. And uh, I'm going to, you know, throw an icebreaker question out there to, uh, you know, to break the ice. It's an icebreaker question. Um, When it comes to a player from Liverpool's past that you want to see dropped into another team in the Premier League today solely for banter reasons, who would you pick? Lubo? You get thrown off the deep end here first, as it's your first uh, appearance on the U.S. pod. So this, this would be a Liverpool, former Liverpool player that needs to be dropped into a Premier League today. Yeah, but solely for banter. Solely for banter. Uh, I think it would have to be, uh, who is that goalkeeper that we had that was the backup to Minule, who was really terrible at Man United? What Brad was Jones. His name? Brad Jones. Yes, Brad Jones, the goalkeeper for Man United. That, I mean, but where because where would where would you put just, him? I would put him at goalkeeper for Man United right now. <laughs> I, I think it'd be just great because, unfortunately, the hair is having a good season again and is literally saving their bacon. And I want to see a really terrible goalkeeper who 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 basically magnifies their horrific defense, especially now that they're missing uh, Maguire and uh, what's the other name, Varane. So I, w- I would love to have Brad Jones as a goalkeeper for Man United for the whole season. That's a fun one. Scott, over to you. Well, I'm also going to curse our beloved rivals to the East, Manchester United. I'm going to give them Martin Skirtle, the Slovakian Phil Jones. They would be very familiar with his slapstick antics, and it would just be nice to give them a little bit of a chaos agent when they're at their – most vulnerable right now because without Maguire and without Varane, I'm sure they're going to be totally chill about missing center backs because that's not a big deal, right? Just like they told us last year. No, no, missing center backs is not a big deal at all. And then I guess, Kev, over to you. Who who would you drop in for banter reasons? Uh, well, I mean, as we're being so generous to Manchester United, um, I think we could drop in uh, Dundee's own. Currently still playing, apparently. I didn't know because I just Googled right now. Charlie Adam, um, I would like to drop into <laughs> Manchester United's midfield um, just because that signing was one of the worst we have ever made. 
Oh yeah. my god. Can you imagine Brad Jones, Martin's Curl, and Charlie Adam in a Man United starting lineup? Oh. I'm shocked. He's it's got a good that. ring to it. It's got a great ring to it. <laughs> Maybe I there's mean, still really a chance. I mean, Charlie Adam might not be worse as a six than anything they're fielding now, so we <laughs> might not see much of a difference. I don't know. He can't really move side to side. Like part of you know, part of the role of the six is being able to get sideline to sideline, but he can't do that. He, he he wasn't able to do that in his his prime, but you know he's uh that that that's not a guy where athleticism was the first thing that screamed out for him as a player. For me, I'm actually gonna go in a different manner. Um, I am going to curse the team from Manchester, but it is the other one, and I would give them the Robbie Keane that we had from August of 2008 to December of 2008. Right? They need a striker. <laughs> right. Not the Robbie King for the years before that. Not the Robbie King for the years before that or the years after that. Just the Robbie King of that six months who really, I mean, look, I don't think Rafa wanted him. I don't think that he was a good fit for what we were trying to do. I don't think getting a second striker was what Rafa at all wanted. I think he probably wanted more pace on the wing because we were playing with uh, Dirk Cout and Albert Riera. Quite, as our width and those two um you know decent players one better than the other because i actually really love dirk Cout and i think albert riero was you know he, he was he wasn't terrible he was but he wasn't great he was a serviceable premier league winger of the era but i really think that you know what rafa wanted was someone like ryan babel who could actually work out like i'm also still crushed that ryan babel didn't work out um the other thing I was considering was dropping Andre Voren in literally anywhere. But, um, <laughs> so I, always, I had no idea who he was. And then in, I was, in, I was actually in Liverpool, um, when he signed or just after he signed and he was, there was a preseason match and he just like spanked one in. And I remember my cousin was like, I don't even know who this guy is. I was like, well, if he does that all season, I'll be happy. And then he just didn't do anything all season. <laughs> uh, that guy. I wonder what he got up to after us. Um, I don't think much. But I, I think need... we could have. We go ahead, Scott. I was gonna say I think we could have picked anybody that Roy Hodgson signed, and that would have been just terrible for any team in the Premier League. Even Watford wouldn't want some of Roy's signings. Yeah, but that was just our banter era anyway. Because if you think about it, like Paul Konchesky, Milan Jovanovic, you know Christian Poulsen, those guys aren't you know. Those aren't Champions League players. They're not even Europa League players. Like that's why when Roy was sacked, we were you know close to the relegation zone. He just didn't have an eye for the kind of player that we needed, and didn't you know really just he's, he's, he was never a fit for a manager of a side of our uh, you know abilities, if you will. But I want to move on to uh, something a bit more optimistic than talking about Liverpool's banter era or wishing a banter era upon uh, other teams, uh, because whenever we do that, it ends up backfiring, right? And they, you know, United end up finishing second, or Arsenal climb the table from like you know eighteenth to seventh. But uh, I do want to talk about someone good. I want to talk about Mohamed Salah, and I think there's a lot of shouts right now for him being the best player in the world at the moment. Um, you know. You're you're always going to have your 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 messy partisans. Um, I don't think that Ronaldo is looked at as the best player in the world by anybody who's not, you know, wearing the most red glasses possible. And by red, I mean the other red. But 
I want I want to get a feeling from you guys. Is Leo is Leo Messi rivaled by Mo Salah at this moment? Is it anybody else that really actually might be the best player in the world at the moment as well? Um, Luba, I'm going to go to you with this one first, but uh, you know, everybody just drop in and chime in as you see fit. So I was looking at, I mean, Mo is obviously phenomenal. He's had a great start to the season. Uh, I am on FP ref right now, and I just sorted very quickly the big five leagues, uh, non-penalty XG plus XA per 90. And uh, number one is Robert Lewandowski. And I think it's, it's a little bit crazy because there's been a lot of attention to, to obviously, to Mo, to what Messi is doing in, at, at, at PSG, which is honestly not a lot. But I, it's, it's actually, and even uh, Holland, his hot start and all of the video, and I'm trying to figure out the video that was posted today, whether it's real or whether it's fake, and I can't figure it out. But Lewandowski has 1.36 non-penalty XG plus XA per 90. And it's, it's just ridiculous how good he is. Uh, and ironically, maybe a small sample, second in the place, second, second place is that guy Danjuma, who was briefly linked with uh, Liverpool this summer and went to Spain uh, to Villarreal, and he's second with uh, 1.16. So, I mean, Salah is phenomenal. Is he the best player in Europe right now? I, I think he's in the top three. I think you have to, you have to put him there. I would still put Lewandowski, and I would still consider take your pick one of Holland or Mape, even though they're not necessarily, they've had injuries and they've had some um, uh, cold stretches, but I would still take a pick of the young striker who is there. I don't think uh, that Messi has really had a great start to the season at PSG, so I will not put him there yet. But I would say Mo is one of the top three players in Europe right now. And, and, and Scott, let, let's go over to you. What, what do you think? Well, I think just based on form, I think Lubo hit it on the head. Messi is still transitioning to a new league at this exact moment in time. Absolutely. If I had to win a game right now, I'm taking Mo. I mean, he's clearly in form between the two players. Messi's career, you know, speaks for itself. The guy is arguably the GOAT. I mean, he's certainly the conversation starts with him. And in recent times, I mean, look what he did over the summer. I mean, he went to the Copa and just roasted everybody. You know, to quote the great Joe Bluth, you know, he went down the old South America way maybe to Portugal, and just took care of business and deservedly won his first major trophy. So, I mean, we know the guy still has it in his locker, but he's into the back nine, maybe even the twilight. So, whereas Mo is, this is probably the peak of his powers. A couple of years from now, Mo might start, you know, being trending on the downward curve, but this is his moment. He's been there kind of consistently for three, four years. Some of our other front three is ebbed and flows, but Mo has not. So, when you look at the best in Europe, yeah, I mean, it probably starts with Lua for what he's done over the past year and a half. There was no Ballon d'Or last year. He'll probably get it this year as kind of a, you know, two-year period. You, If you need a goal, you're probably still taking Lua. But it's just what Mo Salah is doing right now. He's incandescent. What he did to City, that that goal he scored, I mean, it, it's amazing how he scored that similar goal repeatedly, you know, against Spurs and other times. You, there was a video out after that match where they – it was the split screen where he did it almost four times to Watford and another team. So, I mean, he's, he's absolutely thrilling. And, and yeah, I take him over Messi right now, but 
I mean, if a month from now Messi's banging in 30 yard free kicks and is just tearing hearts out in France, I don't know, you'd be a fool to doubt it. And Kev, what do you think? Um, yeah, it's tough. I mean, the, the guys kind of have wrapped it up pretty nicely. I think, in my opinion, on current form, so if I'm just talking 21-22 season now, so the past few, couple of months here, he probably is the best um, out of everyone. I agree that I, th- I think Lewandowski will get the Ballon d'Or because he probably deserved it last year and and he's just hasn't stopped since and he he seems very angry that he he didn't get to get it so um he'll probably end up with that yeah if you need a goal um if that's all you need then yeah Lewandowski for sure I mean think about who else is usually on the question right as that guys were saying so it's either Messi I'd say Messi hasn't really done anything um in the beginning of the season so he's kind of out of the conversation to be honest for for at least this season for now um you know Lewandowski like you said Holland um yeah definitely um I hate to say I'm a De Bruyne fan but I am um you know he's one of the best midfielders out there um it's Mo and you know who's left Mbappe I, I don't think Ronaldo Cristiano's kind of benefited by going to United and that Messi's having a downturn but um, I don't think he's in the conversation much anymore, but I think it was interesting what Lubo touched on about um, XG and, and XA uh, or non-penalty XG XA, and and that those stats are yeah they're they're gonna favor probably Lua for sure. But you Holland's up there just for the amount of goals that he scores, um, and, and the guy yeah Villarreal, which is interesting. But if you do the rate like if you do like a radar map. Um, and you look at all the build-up play as well. So like XG build-up or XG chain or one or one of those, or even like key passes per 90 and that sort of stuff. Mo is like a circle, right? Um, he He's just good at pretty much everything. And that's the type of radar that, that Messi gets as well. Um, Messi's good at everything. I um, mean, he gets a circle radar. It's the same type of radar that Mbappe gets. Um, Holland and Lua get different radars. They're heavy on the the shots and they're heavy on the XG and 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 to their credit, the XA as well and, and actual assists, but not so much in the build up play. Lua a bit more than Holland, but um, and then you know De Bruyne is kind of heavy on the build up play and not so much in the goal scoring. I just think the way these players kind of map onto that that type of thing when you talk about the best player in the world and we've been talking about Messi for, Messi for years and years and years and, and to be honest I, it, Ronaldo's been great but Messi's been greater um, over the years and uh, his it's just that type of player it's the player that can do anything and if we're, if we're if we're really talking about who the best player is right now the biggest circle is Mo out of everybody Mbappe's close um, he, he's kind of just underneath him. If you, if you know, if you sort of map it all that said, you know, Holland scores more goals so far. Lewis scores more goals. So it depends how you, what your, you know, what your, uh, what your marker is for saying the best player in the world. But for me, I, I think at the current moment, he is the best player in the world. I mean, to me, he, he is too. I think one of the things that we do have to weigh into this, and especially when you start talking about Lewandowski, uh, is you do have to look at also the level of competition between the Premier League and the Bundesliga. Um, I do think that the level of competition really f- favors Mo, considering the fact that the, the Premier League, to an extent, never looks like it's been 
it's been tougher because of the amount of parity in the league. And Mo is just torching it right now. Um, he looks like he's a threat to score uh, any every, every time he touches the ball. And you can just see how afraid defenses are for, of him. And the fact that regardless of what you can try to do to eliminate space for him, he seems to be able to find it regardless. Even if you can keep him quiet, like City did for 45 minutes, it doesn't seem like there's any sort of foolproof plan to shut him down for 90. Right? He owned he, that side in yeah, the second half. He can yeah. just he just finds so many ways to hurt you. I guess I want to though flip over to the other side of our formation and actually look at Saudi Amane because I know Lubo, you have some strong feelings here as well too. Um, yeah. I'm, so uh, uh, yes, one, I'm, one thing I'm, before we move to Saudi, go it, for it. I just noticed that Kareem Benzema he's having the same season that. Um, Harry Kane had last year, where he's significantly overperforming uh, XG and XA, especially on the assists. I had no idea. He has nine goals and seven assists versus 3.9 XG and 3.3 XA. So I have no idea what's happening <laughs> in Spain, but he's having, he literally is having the season that Harry Kane had last year, where every, he just outperformed on everything. That is Kareem Benzema right now. It's crazy. Yeah, he's been great. No, no reason France needed him for like a de- half a decade, you know. Surplus. <laughs> right. Surplus to requirements. You know, I have two things with Kareem Benzema that genuinely bother me, right? One's rational and one's very irrational. Which one do you guys want first? The rational Always one. irrational. All right, the rational one is I don't like him because of the fact that he tried to extort a teammate. Uh, the Matthew Valbuena affair really sits... Right. Very, very, very poorly in my head. Um, I'll give you the irrational one. He looks like Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> there's even there's even another more irra- irrational, irrational one. Is that weren't we supposed to get him when we signed? So the rumor was <clears throat> the summer uh, or the the January window where we um, where we got Suarez and uh, Andy Carroll that we were supposed to get Suarez and Benzema. But um, what was the other striker for Rails? The Argentinian striker for Real that was there at the Gonzalo time? Gonzalo Higuain? Higuain. Higuain blew out his knee. So Benzema stayed. Um, and then we scrambled and ended up with Andy Carroll. So there is another, <laughs> supposedly. I don't know how true that is, but that, that was what I heard. Um, yeah, but so hey, Andy another Carroll irrational, scored in the FA Cup against Everton. That is true. So, you know. It was all worth it. Thanks, That's Andy, fun. That's just fun if you have if you have blue nose relatives like I do. But other than that, Andy Carroll wasn't much fun. No. Yeah. So um, I think that the other thing I do want to discuss, though, is the other side of our forward formation with Sadio Mane. Because um, I do think that there is a lot of, um, and, and it's going to fold very nicely into our next uh, our next topic as well. But there's a lot of talk that he is cooked or finished or done. And uh, I simply just don't buy it. Um, is he going to be as good as he was two years ago? No, because I think it's really hard to be that good for that long because he was incredible. And most guys aren't able to con- carry over a 24% conversion rate over a long period of time when their career average is closer to 15%, right? That's just called being hot, which happens, right? You also go through being cold. Turns out luck is a really important tr- part of being a professional athlete. But I want to get a sense from you guys whether or not you actually think so, – has, has Sadio lost a step? 
Is he still an extremely effective attacker? And even with a diminished step, where do you, even if you do think he has a diminished step, where do you see him as far as, you know, the, you know, the kind of attacker he is? Is he still an elite level attacker that you can count on if you're going to try to win a league? Or do you think that he, you know, maybe should be relegated to a secondary role? Um, Kevin, I'm going to start with you here. Sure. No, I think, um, I think he's been rather good this season, um, despite what I've read and some of what I've heard. Um, his, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, he has a few goals, which always helps him. I think he's, I think he's more confidence based than Mo is. I think Mo just assumes he's going to score kind of thing. And once Mo gets on a roll, he kind of keeps going that type of uh, player. Um, but he's been rather good. Like I'm just quickly, I mean, this is under stat. So the, uh, I don't know how accurate it is, but there is actually chain is just by Mo's his goals for 90 is about bit over half the game pretty much that's pretty good expected he has no assists but he has a some expected assists i guess he didn't didn't finish those for him uh actually chain's good as i said just about most so he's been shots per 90 is at 374 that's good mo's only at four so yeah he's having a good season if i add in last season he kind of i mean they both drop a bit but he drops a bit more i don't think he's cooked i just think i mean i think maybe his peak was earlier than this and he's just like he's kind of over the hump. I just, he's still a great player. I just don't think he's elite. Like he had a couple of elite spells and then basically one or maybe one or two of them generous elite seasons. Um, so I just think he's a, he's just like a very good player now, if that, if that makes sense, rather than being like sort of elite when we were, you know, when we got Champions League and then the, you know, and the Premier League back to back pretty much. Um, he was excellent. And now it's just, and, and just Mo is seems to be somehow getting better. And it also makes everybody around him look a bit worse. But, um, yeah, I think he's just very good. And if, so if he keeps up the performances he's having right now, uh, for the rest of the season, or at least close to it, I, I would have no concerns whatsoever. Um, I think there is planning to be done on the entire front, but I don't think it's just kind of focused on, on Sadio. Did I lose you, Justin? You didn't. I just used the mute button. But Scott, let's go over to you. <laughs> okay. I, I figured uh, the sirens in the background were the social media police coming to get Justin for uh, for you know touching the the third rail here, talking about Sadio Mane and what people talk <laughs> about him on social media. So it's a hot topic. I, I think in this conversation, you know, Kev kind of touched on this, you know, the way Kev broke it down. The best way to do this is through nuances, which you don't get on social media. With Sadio Mane, it's not just as simple as, well, he either stinks or he doesn't. I mean, he's been with us for a while. His first season, he you know came in with an amazing debut, and he scores against Arsenal in a crazy win, and he carried us that season. When he got hurt late in the season, I believe it was against Everton, You know, that was a, a real concern is, do we have enough to get over the line and get us into the Champions League? Luckily, we did, and then we got the best player of the last 15, 20 years, uh, other than maybe Van Dijk or Gerrard in... Mohamed Salah so it's just hard when you compare you you have somebody who's literally on the other side that you can compare to and it, Mo has just been so consistent well it's really hard to be at that level to, when you get to that level you're winning player of the year you're winning Ballon d'Ors or in the conversation Sadio is probably not that for a while I mean over the last few years he had moments where it was like damn is, is maybe he the best one of our forwards I mean, because he had moments where he looked like it 
last year was just clearly a down year for me. Maybe the year from hell. He looked disjointed. It looked like his his body was not doing what his mind perhaps wanted him to do. And then some days it would be vice versa. He just he looked like a baseball player who had the yips and couldn't throw from second base to first base. He was like Chuck Knobloch out there. But as we Don't saw, as we saw, it's a touch. <laughs> hey, we're making fun of the Yankees. Let's do it. But. This year, you can see he's getting in the right positions, whereas last year he really wasn't. I mean, although you know he he literally had his his upper leg held by a goalkeeper last year and couldn't get a penalty. But that is an entirely different subject about Liverpool not getting penalties. But you know he, he had moments where he was doing the right thing and just couldn't put it all together. This year, he's getting far more closer to what we saw from two three years ago than last year. He's getting in the right places. He's linking up and and yeah, he he does anecdotally. I mean, that's the eye test. Anecdotally, it just seems like he is a confidence player. It seems like he is somebody who needs the crowd behind him, who needs that energy. Bobby is, seems like that as well. You know, empty stadiums, it wasn't for Liverpool and it wasn't for Sadio last year. Crowds are back. He looks different. He, you know, you can say rejuvenated. Maybe it was just, you know, just needed a, a different change of scenery from last year. But he does look better. But we're going to lose him in the, in the spring or not spring, but early winter to AFCON. And then he is getting on. And at some point the, the magic is going to run out of the front three. This can't go on forever. So to me, I just don't think you can possibly get, you have to keep Mo as long as you can. Bobby's a little older. Sadio seems ideally, you know, if he has a, a bounce back season, that's the time to sell him. His value is not going to go any higher than it is right now. And his value has got to be higher than it was last year. So I, I think he deserves all the praise. He's a great guy. He's fun to watch, and he's certainly much more fun to watch when he's doing what he's doing right now than last year. But, yeah, if PSG will give us a sack of cash and we can re- refresh this, the lineup, I mean, I think you've got to consider that in the, in the summer or beyond. And, and Lubo, I'm going to give you the last word here. So, Sadio, I mean, if if, if you are on on Discord, Anfield Inf- AnfieldIndex.com Discord, uh, you've probably seen that I have argued the case for Sadio and Bobby all through last year. And whether it was finishing, whether it was COVID, whether it was the crowds, whatever it was. I mean, even Sadio Mane had a, an interview where he didn't know what was going on. He had he got tested. He had probably saw psychologists, psychiatrists, doctors. He just didn't know what was happening. And maybe something that uh, Scott spoke with he just he just seemed a little bit like he couldn't quite figure out how his body moved um and this year he's he's looked better i mean the numbers are better i was just looking at at uh, the, the again uh, uh stats bomb fg ref in the total uh premier league non-penalty xg plus xa he's second in the league after mo salah now uh, he had a huge game against um uh it was at leeds at leeds but even then he's been present in the other games he has contributed I watched both of his games for Senegal uh, over this international break. He had one goal and three assists. He's just, he, he, and he looked, I mean, and when you watch Senegal, they played against the media, it was, it was almost like a, a track meet. It's just a lot of just really fast players running up and down the pitch. And just Sadio still seemed uh, uh, just head and shoulders above everybody else there. So I think this year Sadio just looks back. Now, uh, his underlying numbers are good. Whether he'll be able to convert those into, into goals and assists, hopefully he can. Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm actually very, very positive about Sadio. And uh, I know Scott said that uh, it, it makes sense to try to look to sell him. 
maybe. I, I don't know if there'll be a big offer for him next year. I also suspect that when Mo hopefully signs a deal, that there may be a deal for Sadio as well for a couple of extra years, even if just to protect his value. But I, I'm very hopeful for Sadio. I think he's going to have a, a, a really good season. I think he just he just looks dedicated. He looks relaxed, rested, just fit. And he, he just seems to know like he, he has control over his body again. And hopefully that, that, that translates to a lot of goals for us this year. That's what it looks like. I think that control over his body again is a good point. He looks comfortable in everything he's doing. I know like he was taking the other day when we played a few weeks ago where he just, he couldn't buy a goal. He ended up getting one eventually, but he's just in the right place at the right time. The goalkeeper was like a cat. And then the other one, I don't know what happened. Somebody got in his way or something like that. It's just, but he looks comfortable and every, whereas last year, I mean, everybody looked kind of off, but last year and, and kind of the tail end of the year before that, he just didn't look like some, it looked something was a bit wrong, but like the guy, since 2016, he's been the top three player in Africa every year, every single year. He lost yeah. twice to Mo. He won one in 2019, the best player in Africa. And then his first sort of third place finish, I think he it was like, I don't know if it was Aubameyang or Mahrez is one of them, won it in 2016. The guy is excellent. And he looks, he looks, I'm not going to say he looks back to his best because he had some overperforming elite seasons, but um, he looks like he's going to do some business this year and that's that's all we can ask so uh, I'm, I'm happy so far yeah and i i guess i want to delve into um liverpool social media because that's been mentioned a few times you know as the third rail but we're going to do that after uh, a short uh, commercial break enjoying this podcast then why not supercharge your support for the reds with anfield index pro with around 30 premium podcasts every month AI Pro offers the very best reviews, reaction and debate on all things LFC. From the acclaimed statistics and deep dive analytics found in our Under Pressure podcast, to the transfer links, scouting reports and fast live reaction shows we record after every match, AI Pro is home to our very best content. With regular appearances by Reds legends like Jan Mulby and Sir Kenny Dalglish, plus insight from journalists, sports scientists, coaches and psychologists, We'll help bring you closer to the club you love. There's never been a better time to take AI Pro for a test drive. Available on all popular podcast platforms with free apps for iOS and Android. You can try it absolutely free with no strings attached. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com to start your seven-day free trial now. And we're back. What a great commercial that was. Oh, that took forever. Guy, never book a commercial that long again. Yeah, uh, we, we, we got to well, talk to you. We got to pay the bills. Uh, that's true. We do that's have to why, pay the bills. That's why Gag has to, he's got to make the big bucks. So you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. <laughs> so he can let us idiots do this. Yeah, this is what you get when you listen to free side programming. So <laughs> um, one of the things that obviously always comes up uh, invariably because of the fact that I think that uh, when you're talking about fan-based podcasts, one of the things that always comes up are the different forms in which fans communicate. One of them, obviously, is social media. Um, I view social media as a bit of a sewer sometimes. Um, I, I think that Lubo has touched on this quite a bit, and I think that this is something that I that I that I do want to talk about through this segment, which is it seems like the easiest way to get engagement on social media is to avoid nuance and just go directly to the negative. Uh, Lubo, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the first crack at this because this is something this is something you've spoken about extensively on Twitter, and I want to. 
you know, just just give you a chance to to actually voc- vocalize this because maybe people will pick up on certain nuance, uh, you know, hearing it spoken rather than hearing it typed. Yeah, I mean, it's it, I, I have spoken about it on, on Twitter and on Discord, and it, it seems like a lot of fans have realized, or fans, quote-unquote, that the easiest way to get engagement, and if you measure engagement with likes and retweets and quote tweets or replies, it's just to be constantly negative and, and criticize the team or the owners or certain players and, and just maintain that agenda, almost as if there's a... The realization that what made Arsenal fan TV and maybe Goldbridge to an extent, Mark Goldbridge, so popular is they would just constantly complain about their team and the manager and the owners, and that made them popular. And it feels that that is there's a, a few accounts, a few big accounts, if you will, or maybe more, because I don't follow all of them. That that's what they seem to thrive on is just that constant negativity. It's been They've been, you know, FSG wars, they've been handle wars, they've been uh, Dan Kennett, uh, Orc uh, uh, squad depth charts uh, wars, they've been anything. And some of it is banter, but there's an undercurrent of just constant negativity, regardless of how well the team is doing in general and overall, is just to focus on the the negativity. And it, it is just exhausting. And as much as now, I personally try to filter it out and, and mute accounts and maybe sometimes even block accounts. It just seeps in into the Discord, uh, discourse and into Discord sometimes. And it, it's, it's just, it is just exhausting. But maybe that's just my perspective. Maybe, maybe I'm Mr. Sunshine and, and it bugs me more than, than it should. <laughs> I'd rather take Mr. Sunshine, to be, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I've seen it. It's um, I'm actually this is like the longest period in a long time. I haven't really been on on social media. I kind of stepped away from Twitter after the world imploded for a while and because it was just heavy. And then I go on Discord during match days. Usually you can find me in there if you want to, you know, yell at me or whatever for this podcast. But um, but yeah, for the most part, from what I read, I just read things now. I never really engage anymore, but I think you're right. I mean, look. Twitter and Facebook, and I know we don't really have, we don't have like a Facebook group where we go and talk. I mean, there's a couple of Liverpool ones on there, but it's really for sharing and like articles and things. It's not really for, you know, talking with people. But Twitter and Facebook on a whole are are just rage machines. They're just run, their algorithms are run by rage. So it, it works no matter what. So if you engage with somebody that's angry about something, more angry things will show up on your feed unless you adjust the settings or whatever. And even then, it'll continue to show. And the problem with football is it works the same way, as you said, is, is some of these larger accounts um, do, do kind of get response to this stuff and they get clicks and they get viewers and they get followers. So they continue to do it. And it's just a perpetuating cycle. Now, there are, like, Goldberg is funny. Like, I, I'll give him that. <laughs> but he's... Like he and he's got a good setup there. It's funny. He was one of the early ones to do it, so I get it. He, I, I like following him. Um, you know, and he doesn't pull punches about his own team, which is funny. But he, you know, he's a United fan. What are you gonna do? I'm not a huge fan, but what? Are you? Um, but there are other accounts that take it even further than he does because I think he kind of knows what he is. Um, you know, he's in on the joke a little bit. But there's some other accounts that are not like that, 
and they just continually do it over and over again. And it just it just makes the disgusting football a worse place. And I think you're probably smart to to mute things and, and block people and, and kind of um, you know get away from it. I've seen very few nuanced conversations about football on Twitter. When they are, that's usually like sort of the stats nerds going back and forth, you know, prominent ones, not so much like the ones that kind of like me who do, do it themselves kind of thing. But, um, and I've seen a few like good conversations in, in the AI discord before um, on, on certain topics, but most of the time it's just, it's kind of the same everywhere. It's a bit more controlled in discord. You know, <laughs> we kind of, there's a sort of underlying like respect in, in the Discord channel sometimes where it's, you know, and, and, and this is, you know, sort of credit to Gags and the team who are kind of like, hey, like watch it or you're out kind of thing. But, um, but yeah, Twitter is terrible for this kind of talk and, and nuances for most aspects of life seems to be dead, but it's, it's certainly dying in football as well. Um, I don't know, Scott or Justin, if you have uh, anything to add to this, but it's, yeah, it's kind of rough to watch because uh, I feel it's even changed in my time on social media and being a football fan. I think it just comes down to it's like a lot of ways sports is a reflection of our society at large. And like you said, it just rage sells, vitriol sells. You know, people, you know, it's it's why you see ESPN, Fox Sports 1 in America, you get these these talk shows with people just screaming at each other. I I don't gravitate towards that. So it's hard for me to understand why some people do in that way is why are you always looking to be angry? I tend to gravitate. Like you said, Kev, there are some good analysts on Twitter. Grace Robertson does a phenomenal job. I Sam McGuire, you know, who does a lot of stuff with Anfield index. I want to learn. I want to understand more. It's the same way when I started to become a Liverpool supporter, I wanted to learn more about the history of the club because I come to it, you know, I enjoy it. It's a hobby and it's, it's supposed to be, you know, a distraction. It's supposed to get you away from things as Jurgen Klopp talks about. It's, it's the most important of the least important things. But, you know, as we've seen the Euros this year with English supporters or what's going on with the Hungarian supporters, people just take, have always taken things to the nth degree and online is no different. It's just, but I find it very strange, you know, not to date myself, but, you know, I started, you know, I grew up in the nineties and, that's when you started the internet age, you know, with America online and chat rooms. And you started to understand like, what, what can you do on here? What can you not? And I've never understood the, the urge to put on an anonymous account and go online and start yelling at people. I just don't know what you get out of that. You know, I think making connections with people, discussing things, you know, building a community, that's, that's the good side of it. And that's what Amphilin does, does a lot. Yeah. Discord can get, a little nasty times because people just get upset. And yeah, if you, if you looked at our WhatsApp or during a game, people get pissed in the middle of a game, but it's, it's good to think of those things in context. Cause two minutes later, the person you've been slating will probably knock in a goal. Divac does that time. And again, just when you think he's out, he pulls us <laughs> he back, pulls in. back in. He pulls you back in and Mane has been that way too. I mean, you know, it just, you go, Oh, Mo, or Oh, Mo Sadio, you know, why didn't he see the runner there? Why did he make that pass? Why did he make that decision? I mean, that's been Sadio for, you know, a lot of the last year, but, and, and so it's about what do you, what do you want out of, you know, communicating with other human beings? What are you looking for when you, you know, you turn to this, you know, you got your nine to five job or you maybe got a family, got kids or you're, you're burning the midnight oil. A lot of jobs aren't nine to five. 
this is supposed to be a welcome distraction. And right now we're in one of the golden eras for Liverpool. I mean, we mentioned Roy Hodgson in the banter era. I mean, the little, the little, the little we talk about that era, the better, unless, you know, just to have a quick laugh. But, you know, these are supposed to be the good times because sports are, you know, it's cyclical. It's, it's not going to last forever. There's going to be lean years again. So these are the times we should be, you know, really enjoying it. But that doesn't mean you don't have to follow blindly. FSG has been a lot of missteps. They deserve it when they're you know, to be criticized when they do wrong, but they also deserve praise. But unfortunately, yeah, I said it before, you know, we can have nuance here. We can talk like human beings, but unfortunately, too many other people in other places are shouting at each other. And it's like, what do you look for? What do you want? What do you want to interact with? And, you know, I would hope that most people, you know, will find that you get a lot more out of the game when you're trying to learn and, and connect than just get pissed about every little thing. I, I, I liken it to a... Um... Sorry, I dropped my headset for a second. I liken it. I was going to say, even the sighing, even just the, you know, it's just like, yeah. it's a sense of exasperation. <laughs> I like it, it can all be summed up by <sighs> it. <laughs> no, I mean, I, 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 I liken it to the point of like constantly sticking your hand into a flame and thinking that it's not going to burn you, but it's going to burn you every single time. Um, I think, Scott, you've gotten to something where you, with the whole nature of sports being cyclical. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to even one up you here, right? Um, look at the most successful clubs in uh you know in england or like you know some of the most successful sports teams in the u.s right think about think about you know for instance like let's just i'll take an example from the nfl doing the patriots they've won more super bowls than anybody else seven how many super bowls have been played 55 so the most successful team is still gonna not win more often than they do win Right. This is the thing in the margins that people need to understand about sports. Right. You're not going to win every year. That's what makes winning special. It's what makes it not boring. And I think that treating winning like it's something you're entitled to, which I feel is what social media for every single for every single fan base that I'm involved with takes for granted. Now, the teams I root for in the U.S. don't win ever. Right. So. I have no real idea what that feels like. The most mm. recent team that I root for to win was the Mets when I was five. So other than Liverpool, I have no real frame of reference for this. So I don't take it for granted because I haven't had all the joy and success that sports can bring you. Right. So I'm, I'm just going to choose to Liverpool in your life. Yeah. I'm just going to choose to enjoy Liverpool. it. Like I'm going to choose to enjoy it. That to me seems like it's much more uh, logical as a way to be and a way to exist. But I don't necessarily understand or think why you would have to just immediately get miserable about the thing that you claim to love. Like, I think that a it lot of a, people like the red Corvette problem. Yeah. Cause it's like, you work all your whole life cause you really want that red Corvette and then eventually you get it and then you want the red Porsche. You know what I mean? And you just get bored, bored of it. <laughs> Is that, is my, that a thing in sports? I don't know. I, I don't mean, think my, I win of, of Liverpool winning the Premier League. My uncle waited his whole life to get the red Corvette, and by the time he got it, because he's a bigger man, his knees were just in awful shape, so getting into the car was like a constant source of pain for him. <laughs> oh, no. That's a metaphor for life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it feels like that should have been part of uh, an Atlantis Morissette song. Uh, it really feels <laughs> yeah. like that was a, a deleted lyric. Isn't it yeah, ironic? I, I don't know. Don't you think? I, it is, it, don't you think? To me, I think what was the sometimes when I think about 
you know, the way some supporters view the game. It kind of reminds me of the one time John Oliver was on with Men and Blazers and they were showing, you know, when the West Ham fans stormed the pitch and they were arguing, they won't even give us the shit. And, and, and John Oliver said, you know, it's not really about the shirt. And it's just, I think people have some animosity, some anger, some frustration that they bring into things. And I don't know, for me, I, I, I kind of leave some of that at the door because Life can get if you want it. Life can get you down in a million ways, especially over the last year, two years, three years, four years, however long you want to go, maybe forever. But this is supposed to be a refreshing escape. And, and you know, you just you said you root for the Mets, the Jets, the the Knicks. I mean, I've rooted for the Cubs. The Bears are a factory of sadness. I mean, all of us have. You, you root for enough teams, you're going to have some just periods of just misery. But at the same time, you just you try to enjoy going to the ballpark. You try to enjoy seeing cool stuff that happens on the you know on the pitch or on the field or the rink or the court. And it's it should be something that you come to in a positive way. But I think some people just can't separate that other aspect of their life from from sports. And, and unfortunately, that's how sports work. It's it's just a mirror that holds up to our society and, and reflects it right back. I think I think that's a good place to end this particular conversation on on you know the social media piece because I think you know I think everybody's kind of nailed bits and pieces of it. Um, I actually you know what that's not because I also do think that there's one thing about you know overall social media with Liverpool that does bother me. And I know I've said this in chat groups, but I am going to put this out there now. I do think that certain times people watch games with their agendas rather than their eyes, and I, I think that taking a step back and just you know. Not having to have an, not having to have your, you know, what you think is happening happen all the time, and sometimes just the admission that, you know, a player who you don't think is as good can have a good game and be instrumental to us winning, is a thing that can happen, and it has happened many times in the past. So I do wish that people would be sometimes a bit more open to, uh, you know, understanding that not every single game is going to unfold in the exact way you think it will. Actually, one thing that also I, I can never really understand is uh, people tweeting or posting uh, uh, on Discord or other other forums while the game is going on. I, I just never do that. I, I can't I can't focus when the game is going on. As as Scott was mentioning, that that's it, that's all I want to do. I want to watch. I don't want to follow Twitter. I don't want to post messages. I don't want to post instant reactions. And sometimes at halftime, I would just maybe just log in quickly just to see what people are posting. And it's just, it's, it's insane. I mean, how can you, how can you watch a game and post literally every minute? It's, it's just <laughs> impossible. How can you even just, one is watch the game, but also enjoy and understand the game. It's, it's crazy. But anyway, I'm not going to criticize people who do it. I just, I don't know how people do it. I, I don't know how you could do it and actually carefully watch the game, but it's, it's something that is, quite prominent on social media as well oh no i i don't understand either because taking your taking your eyes off the game for a second is really hard for me it's very hard for me i want to watch what's going on like responding to a text message especially also by the way i can't look at social media at all if a game is played streaming because everybody's getting everybody's watching at different points in time and moments 
So it's oh, terrible. Never go on Discord if you're streaming or whatever. You're gonna find gags get somehow gets goal alert. Like he can see a goal like ten minutes before it happens. <laughs> so, like, I think he's got a feed from Michael Edwards straight to him. Yeah, because has, when like, we're watching the game on damn Peacock, we are way behind over I here. Mean, I mean, so I watch. If, if he has like two solo cups and a string from his house to the stadium, but he always knows <laughs> way before anybody else. I mean, I watch every game on a stream because I don't have cable. I watch off of, a, like, all of my TV is off of the internet. So right. I'm behind on literally everything by about two or three minutes, at, or by, you know, up to two or three minutes. So I choose to, uh, you know, not engage on social media during games. I'll talk to you all you want about it afterwards, but it's just... <laughs> and look, I watch most of my games. I watch most of the games I go to that I watch at a bar, right? I want to actually talk to the people I'm watching the game with instead of having my head buried into my phone, right? It's just not how well, I want that's to engage thing. in it's watching like... a game. To me, it's a, to me, watching most games is a communal thing. And right, it, I, I'm not saying that, not, that engaging in that's social I use, media... I use Discord as a proxy for that. Yeah, I'm not, I'm and I'm not saying... I use texting and WhatsApp. I'm not saying that that's not a surrogate for that, especially in the, in the years, you know, in the years after, like, you know, or while pandemic is still very much here... Maybe it's not necessarily sometimes the safest thing to have to be, you know, constantly communing with people, right? Um, but at the same time, you know, I just, I just can't do it. It's whatever you're comfortable with. I mean, for me, I think the thing I miss most about going to college was sitting in a room with people watching sports, just making jokes, making comments. You know, maybe people make observations, and so that's kind of what texting and WhatsApp yeah, is. But that's what going to the bar is. That's college. I don't even watch baseball at all now. Baseball was on all day at college. Thanks, Brent, if you're listening. Uh, shout out to Brent. I uh, hope Brent is enjoying four-hour baseball. Uh, shout out <laughs> to Mando. His uh, Dodgers are still hanging tough. Go Dodgers. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think that's – it's just whatever you feel most comfortable. Some people can look at the phone, but, you know, if you take your eyes off the screen, yeah, you might miss something. But occasionally texting, WhatsApp, even Twitter, you know, help – you know, why did some guy get hurt? Or you get some news that way. It's just, it's about the communal experience and, and certainly going to a bar. I mean, there's an electricity and an atmosphere of being with that group of people. That is, it is nice. And, but I agree with you, Justin, just to circle back to what your last point on social media was. I, I think we've all become pundits in a way. And certainly it's ironic again, Atlanta sports set that we're here. We're kind of doing punditry, you know, fan punditry, but I, I think that's the way, you know, diehard supporters have become. Everybody's a pundit. You want to have opinions. And, you know, when you become a pundit, you often you find you're rooting for your opinions more than anything else. And I'm happy to be wrong. I mean, I might thought Adam Milana sucked, but when he scored a goal, great. Same thing with Divac or, you know, when Hendo's having a tough game or, you know, I think, hey, maybe he's not suited for this, maybe not suited for that. But, I mean, at the end of the day, he's still a pretty great human being who does a lot on and off the pitch. You're talking about Hendo, and he also has some big moments too. Yeah, so there's good and bad, but I think, again, when you let the negativity and when you let, like you said, your own agenda lead instead of just you know looking and seeing, you know, I, I'm happy to be proven wrong as long as it's a positive way. You know, as long as Liverpool are playing well, great. Prove me wrong every day. Yeah, see, for me, it's just the agenda part. It, it, like, you know, I'm, and I'm not trying to, like, take a shot at anybody when I say this, but it's more to the point of I think that Twitter, to an entire generation of sports fans, in all sports, across everywhere, has convinced, that, has convinced people that they can do one of two things. Either A, 
that they're a better pundit than the people they see on TV, or B, they could do a better job coaching or general managing than the general managers and coaches of their teams. Like, I, I think that that has been, as far as sports social media, one of the bigger outcomes of it. And I got to say, I'm not really here for it. Like, I, I don't like that. I just want, like, personally, I just want to watch the games and enjoy them for, you know, the 90 minutes that they are. Because that's, I, I, I don't I don't know that I can, I, I think I only want to live 90 minutes at a time with, with Liverpool. Um, I think that that's, probably the healthiest way for me to approach it. I'm not trying to tell anybody else how to do things, but that's that's just the way in which I can approach it to keep my sanity. But I want to move on then away from this topic because I think we've we've covered it well too. You know, let's let's go through the next 6 games for Liverpool, which are going to be some, you know, there's there's some big ones there. It starts with Watford with the UK's ridiculous quarantine rules and having it so that Big Quivine is our is going to be our keeper instead of Big Alley. Um, Fabinho will not be there. So um, Liverpool is going to be a unit that's going to be, you know, a lot of changes since the last time they played, albeit the last time they played was almost two weeks ago. Then going directly back into the Champions League to uh, to Madrid, to the Wanda Metropolitano, the, uh, the site of our sixth, the site of our sixth European Cup win, um, at a place that we've actually played at since where we had a very lackluster game against... Uh, Atletico, where Simeone just seemed to have our number, and then over to Manchester, and then over to uh, Old Trafford to uh, to play uh, a Manchester United team that is going to uh, be lacking a few defenders, as we've mentioned earlier. So across those three games, let's start there. How do you think? How do you guys think we were in a fair, um, Kev? W- w- let's let's start there. Six points and a draw. Um, I think Watford's going to be a weird lineup and everybody's going to lose their shit, but it's going to be the only lineup we can put out. So calm down, everybody. Lads, Um, it's it's Watford. (laughs) Yeah. Watford, although, you know, we kind of have bad memories of them for one reason or another. Um, they are crap. They're, I mean, they're awful. Absolutely awful. Um, so as long as the front three is there and the back four, you know, I, I'm. I get people are talking about Trent starting. I assume he may start. Um, he trained, but I don't know if he'll start. But if he starts, I mean, if the back four is fine, you know, it's, it'll be VVD and Matip and Robbo paid a lot for Scotland as always. But you know, he's kind of a tank, so he'll start and hopefully Trent. And then you have the three up front, whatever the midfield is. Sure, like Hendo will be at the six probably, and then the two around him, Curtis and one more. It's going to be um, Curtis and then one of probably Jamie. Ox, Milner, or Kata. I'd be, I want it to be Kata. I'd be worried. I just, I, I'm like worried about him like early on getting an injury and then being done for like six games. And I just need him to be okay. And obviously he went away uh, internationally and played every minute because he's the best player in the country. So. Yeah, that's fine. Atletico, Simeone, again, Atletico's not that good. They weren't that good last year. They weren't that good the year before that. Um, but it's Simeone. He just kind of knows how to win games. And um, I don't want to say he has our number, but we, you know, he just, he sets up well against teams that play like we do. That said, we are a better team than them. So um, I just expect it to be like, kind of like a, a bit of a, bit of a bruising battle and maybe a scoring draw, which I'd take away, I guess. 
And then United away. United are not as good as they pretend to be. Um, they're also probably without Maguire and Veron, right? Um, so that's interesting. So you just got to worry about, you know, their 14 million attackers because they don't have much of a midfield. I think we'll be fine. I mean, it's old Travered, so we're like, you know, are we any good there recently? Yeah, a little bit, but not historically. So, uh, I mean, I, as I said, six points in a draw feels like it, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's four points in a draw, but no worse than that. Yeah. So then, Lubo, after we go to United, it's Preston in the it's Preston in the League Cup, Brighton, and then the return leg against Atletico. Right, so we're split across three competitions there. Ooh. Who do you who yeah. what do, what do you want to see happen? First off, what do you want to actually see happen in the League Cup? Well, I've already said that we're winning to the quadruple, so we're we, that we're definitely going all the way, right? Uh, but no, I mean, listen, we have an easy draw. I think one of the, the challenges or one of the problems that Klopp has had in the domestic cups is that they, we always had Premier League teams a lot of times away very early in the draws. And so we, we're always getting knocked out. And that we had that year where we got pretty far and then we had to go to Qatar for the World Cup and then we had to play the, the under-15s at Aston Villa. But, I mean, we have Preston North End away. We have actually fairly deep squad right now. Not a lot of injuries. Hopefully, if we get Thiago and, uh, back as well, we'll have, we'll have the squad to... to to beat Preston, even if, you know, another start for Taki and, and DV. So I would like, I mean, unless we end up in the next round, we get Man City at, at the Etihad and whatever. But as long as we, we can stay in the competition, I, I don't mind trying to win it. it. It's, you know, in Klopp's first season, we got to the final and lost to in, on penalty kicks to Man City. So to me, I think Preston would be a good opportunity to, to give, again, um, Kate Gordon and, and Divi and Taki a few minutes and uh, should be good enough to win. And what's interesting then, that is going to be the last. We have four games away. Watford, Atletico, Man United and Preston, all four games away. So the next four games are all away from Anfield. But then after that, Brighton through Everton on the 30th of November, we have seven games, if I count correctly, and six of them are in Liverpool. Obviously, the Everton game is away, but that's just across the park. So the only game after after we come back from Preston to Preston, we have Brighton, Atletico, Arsenal, Porto, Southampton, and Everton, all at home. Well, technically, in, in Liverpool, the only away is West Ham uh, before the, the next international break. So... I think if we can navigate the, the, these four away fixtures, including that the League Cup, um, and and what what Kev said, I would take depending on you know two wins and a draw. If the two wins are in the league at Watford and Man United, and the draw is at Atletico, I, I think that'd be spectacular. And then I'm I'm pretty confident that at Preston, regardless of who would uh, field in the Seb Vandenberg, uh, um, uh, you know. Trophy trophy competition will win, and that should get us in a pretty good shape. Then for the last three games before the break, which is Brighton home, Atletico at home, and then West Ham away. Um, and these seven games, I think four in the league, two in the Champions League, one in the League Cup. Uh, it's really going to, I think, by the time we we finish the West Ham game, it's really going to tell us where we really are in the league. 
because Man City have a pretty easy draw. Chelsea have a up and down draw, but Chelsea are basically playing all in London. Uh, and Man United have a very difficult draw. Brighton have a pretty di- difficult draw. So I think the table will shake itself out quite quickly. And Chelsea and Man City will, will continue to win. So we have to be able to, to stay with them. And, and after the West Ham game, we need to be up there either, uh, you know, first, second, third, but within a couple of points of first place. Otherwise, it could become very difficult very quickly. All right. And then, Scott, after we get through Preston, Brighton, and Atletico, we, get to the, we have two games before the next international break. But West Ham away, Arsenal at home. Right, that that is, uh, or actually, it's actually West Ham, and then there's an international break. Sorry, I could read the fixture list. Right, so we get to the end of that with with a pretty critical fixture in the league. West Ham being one of the tougher sides over past seasons. Do do you think that again, looking at our league fixtures between the, between now and then of Watford, United, Brighton, and West Ham, how many of those twelve points are we going to pick up? I mean, I think we should pick up most of them. I mean, look, like I said, early kickoff versus Watford, for whatever reason, it just feels like early in the morning, I'm I'm still waking up over here, you know, it's silly o'clock here in America, maybe they're still waking up over there. It just feels like that it's always kind of a weirder match than it has to be, but then it ends up being 3-1, 4-2, it's something weird that eventually the goals get in, and I'm not... I mean, Brighton has been good, no question about Grand Potter, but that's a, a match you would expect to win. And sure, Atletico will be annoying, and that'll take some energy, but this is the perfect time to play United. And Old Traver can be a house of horrors for us, but we saw what we can do there last season, and I think they're going to be more nervous to play us than we are of them. And congrats to David Moyes and all everything he's done, but he's still very much David Moyes, and... I think we've shown that again. We, we've been great against West Ham in recent seasons. We had that one year where they knocked us out of the FA Cup and we struggled. And obviously there was that weird result at the end of the Rodgers era. But, I mean, otherwise we kind of handled our business, you know, home and away versus them. And, and Arsenal are, are just ours. And LOL in all capital letters. So I, I don't know if, if we should, you know, really be too afraid of anything we have coming. I, I think it's going to be more about us than them, which is kind of how I feel about this race in general. If we can get lucky with a little bit of health, a little bit of form, maybe we'll get something out of Nabby. Maybe we get Tiago back. Trent has got to stay in the lineup. I mean, if we can't keep Trent in the lineup, eventually Milner right back just ain't going to work. We saw that against City. It can work for a little bit. Sure, he looked great in the Champions League. I mean, Milner is the point god in the Champions League dealing out assists, but when the rubber meets the road against real pace, it's just it's not going to work, and, and the team is so far away from its peak when Trent isn't in the lineup. So I, I think it's going to be about us, and you just never know the way it's going to go. Maybe you lose five center backs, maybe you lose two wingers, maybe you lose both fullback. You just have no idea with this team, and we just don't have the depth that City and Chelsea do where we can lose bodies like that. that that's that's the difference when you know, you're know you not funded by an oligarch or you know the sovereign wealth of a of state. You know, we have to live within our means, but when we're at our top level, we've seen what we can do. So I feel pretty good. I feel pretty good that we can we can do this, but there's just a lot of ifs and unknowns. And, I mean, looking ahead more than two weeks seems kind of crazy because Lord only knows what will happen over this time. But it'd be great to get off and start with a, a win because 
just things snowball on us and things can get out of hand quickly. We, we've had those months a few years ago. We had a bad November. It seems like we always have a, an, an icky January and February aside from the title winning season. So if we can avoid those stretches and, and make hay while we can, you know, we'll be in good shape for when the fixtures come thick and fast late November into December. All right. And okay. go ahead, Luba. Well, just one comment on, on United and then West Ham specifically is that we get more uh, time to rest after a European fixture. So we play Atletico on Tuesday. I think we, uh, Man, Man United play on Wednesday. I, I, I think it's Atalanta. I don't know if it's home or away. And then when we go to West Ham, it's on Sunday. Uh, they actually have a away game in the Europa League that Thursday night. So they, they have, they're going to have Thursday night Europa League and then Sunday uh, against Liverpool. We play Wednesday. So I, I do think the fixture works out decently well for us to get more, more days rest for those away, tough away games against, uh, at, at Man United, at West Ham. I, I, I just feel that if we can stay healthy and Klopp does his thing where he rotates and keeps the team engaged, we should be able to, I mean, famous Lubo last words, we should be able to go to <laughs> Old Trafford and, and the, what's called the Olympic Stadium or whatever it's called now and just come back with six points. Lubo, I love what you said there. You, you, you referenced United being in the Europa League several times. I hate, <laughs> I hate to disagree with you. That's where I think they belong and hopefully where they'll end up. But technically, at this time of year, it is in the Champions League. So I, I guess... You know, maybe that you know they're not there yet, but I think you're absolutely right. I mean, they are in a tough way. They have some horrific fixtures coming up. They face at Leicester, home at Atlanta, home us at Spurs. You know, Spurs can still give a game every now and then, and then they have to go away to Atlanta, and then they have home Manchester Derby. So, I, I and we have ended Jose Mourinho's reign at United. This would be the perfect time to end Ole's reign. No, Although no, 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 like gold I want him to be good enough. <laughs> we want Ole. We want Ole to be at United for 26 years. No, they're going to go hire Gary Neville. It'll be even better. There's a man called so, Conte out there that yeah. scares the bejesus out of me. Antonio Conte oh, would be good for them because he'd organize them. But I want. I want to. Right, never mind. I never yeah. spoke about this. Let's forget this. Delete <laughs> yeah. the tape. Delete the tape. Yeah. So I, I do. I, we are going to now go to my my ending question. Right before we close this off. So. uh Put your uh, put your superhero hats on, right? Um, if you've you know, very clearly Newcastle has been purchased uh, as a sports washing vehicle by the uh, sovereign investment fund of Saudi Arabia, despite the fact that the Premier League has received assurances that they will not be run by Saudi Arabia. I do not know how that makes sense, but um, I want to ask you this one: If you have to think about from any walk of life a supervillain to go out and purchase Liverpool Football Club, which one do you take? Scott, we're going to start with you. Super villain? Super villain. Are we talking you know, just people we think in current human beings? No, 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 right no. no. This, this is a fiction. This has to be fictional. I, I, I don't want to libel. <laughs> I'm not libeling anybody right now. I think it's right sad now. that we all know that there's super villains out there in real life. Yeah, we're... we're, we're I mean, we're, I was going to say, we, I mean, Jeff Bezos is a real-life <laughs> villain. I mean, he, he basically is Hank Scorpio without the beard. Um, I, I mean, if we're going fictional, I, I guess Lex Luthor, I mean, I guess you have moments where you kind of rooting for him, but you think maybe he'll outsmart everybody. I mean, I don't know if there's redeeming qualities, but at least there's something more 
to it than some of the other ones. So I, I guess I would I would say maybe through a certain lens, I think Lex Luthor, you could kind of get behind. Rich guy tries to outsmart everybody. Maybe that'll bag us a couple trophies. Yeah. And Kev, how about you? I mean, super villain. Um, it's got to be somebody with money. So, yeah, Lex Luthor's a good shout. Because if he's going to come, we might as well, you know, win something. Uh, who's rich? Let's think. Kingpin? He's rich. Um, Scrooge McDuck count? Uh, Kingpin kind of looks like Mike Ashley. Maybe that's, I, I don't know if I go that route. <laughs> oh, Dr. Doom. Wasn't he like super, uh, wasn't Dr. Doom like the richest? I don't know. He was worth an absurd amount of money. So let's go with, um, if I remember my comic book correctly, let's go with Dr. Doom because maybe he'll at least he'll throw some cash our way and we can build a super squad. But yeah, it's got to be somebody rich, right? It doesn't really matter what their personality's like. And uh, how about you, uh, Mr. Mr. Murkoff? Well, this is a really tough question because I really don't know the, the evil superheroes. I'm, I'm really terrible with comics and uh, supervillains and superheroes. I probably should ask my son for this. But uh, fun, funny thing is just uh, and maybe maybe hopefully this doesn't get the podcast into hot water. But I actually had a conversation last night with a friend, a big argument about what I consider a real life. A villain and that's elon musk so actually i think if, if if he just showed up elon musk he just sold off tesla and he was just oh i'm sitting on like i don't know a hundred billion dollars and and what do i want to do i'm just going to buy liverpool and i'm just going to sit at anfield and just smoke pot all day and just watch you know watch the team and then just buy random players i think that'd actually be quite a hilarious development I don't know if I'd really enjoy it, but it definitely would be hilarious. Yeah, and then for me, I think the answer is more of a comical one. Um, I'm going with Doctor Evil because if we don't win, the world, <laughs> if we don't win, he will fail to blow up the world. That's true. That is funny. So, just quickly, the top six richest supervillains at number six: Magneto, five hundred nine hundred million dollars. At number five, Harry Osborn. Forgot about that one from uh, Spider-Man. He's worth $10 billion. Okay. Uh, Norman Osborn, also worth $10 billion. I don't remember what comic he's from. Oh, Norman Osborn is... Uh, Harry's dead. Yes. A lot of Green uh, Goblins. Yeah, green, yeah, the Green Goblin guys. Uh, Kingpin, yeah, I was right. $40 billion. A lot of Spider-Man supervillains got a lot of money. Uh, coming in at number two, Scott's Lex Luthor at $75 billion. And coming in at number one, Doctor Doom, a hundred billion dollars. Kev's memory served him well. <laughs> it's kind right. of a sad reflection of what's currently happening. That the way we all answered this was, well, who's just got the most money? Because that's how you win now. <laughs> like there was no like real. That's how you like, win. At least Justin kind of had like a, a personality aspect to it. You know, like work. Like, hey, maybe this could be funny. And we're just like, no, nah, very serious. If we want somebody to be for Liverpool, we might as well have money. That's how yeah. we need nowadays. Yeah, there needs the strategy sport is in a great or. Shape. On unending cash reserves. <laughs> oh yeah, no. What I'm yeah. going, what I'm going for is actually just surrounding the Anfield Road and the visitor section of the Anfield Road end with sharks with freaking laser beams. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, but he, instead he of Anfield exercise, he? so he's probably worth a chunk of change. Yeah, okay. yeah instead of the Anfield exercise, it'll be preparation H. Feels pretty good on the whole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. 
I think I think that, I think that takes us to the end of this. Um, so again, I have I have two quick updates. All right, that Lugo. I looked up. One is uh, Andre Voronin. He's currently assistant coach, assistant manager to Dynamo Moscow. Yeah. So I figured Kevin All right. re- nice. really wanted to know what's going on. I did. Andre Voronin. I miss him. Uh, yeah, so that's where he is now. And then Dodgers and Giants, top of the fifth, nil-nil. A really exciting. If you love those low-scoring, you know, nail-biting, uh, you know, game five, winner-takes-all game, that, that's what's happening right now on TBS. Uh, you know, if you, if you guys are interested in watching. All right. And the Boston Red Sox, FSG's Boston Red Sox are, are waiting for the Houston Astros. In the yeah, tomorrow. American First League. game tomorrow. Bang your trash cans. <laughs> <laughs> all righty. All right. Well, I want to thank you guys all for joining. And, you know, there's another international break in a month. So uh, maybe, maybe we'll see how our predictions went then. But uh, for those of us here on the U.S. Anfield Index podcast, uh, thanks for listening. And uh, we'll, we'll be back to you uh, hopefully sooner than uh, this time it took. Up the Reds. Up the Reds. Up the Reds. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.